As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome to another episode of the Dose of Leadership podcast, the show that brings you inspiring and educational interviews with today's most relevant and motivating leaders. Each episode is dedicated to highlight real-life leadership and influence experts who dedicate their lives to the pursuit of the truth, common sense, and courageous leadership. And now, here's your host, Richard Ryerson. Hey, welcome to the show. So happy you're tuning into Dose of Leadership. I got a really great, fun guest today. Kevin Williams is on the show. He's a Chick-fil-A franchisee. He's got the rare privilege of running three of those restaurants in the city of Georgia. We talk a little bit about that and how he's been with them quite a while and how he became a franchisee. He's a husband and father, community leader. He's got this idea or this passion or this purpose of using his businesses, his franchises, as a place to provide a team as, as one of the most amazing places to work. He uses these restaurants as a place for other people to see their dreams come true and, and he provides this platform as a place to learn, a place to fail, a place to launch into their future. It's a great motivation and it's a, a, a different and unique way of running a franchisee, of running a restaurant. And he's an author and, it, and this kind of belief and his philosophies are kind of captured in this book called Irrational Kindness. Great book. You know, it's all about this crazy pursuit of an extraordinary life and The book is part operating manual, part employee handbook, but the book really does flip the traditional wisdom on its head and, and gives everyone a different lens through which to look at life. It was a really fun read. And sometimes this idea of being irrational is smeared with uh, negative connotations. You know, it can sound illogical, senseless, unjustifiable, maybe even groundless. But as Kevin points out, and I tend to agree with him, that being irrational can be just the opposite. And it can be the most positive, inspiring, and empowering way to be. And that's what's fun about this conversation. You know, Kevin believes your hopes, your dreams, they don't have to be derailed, certainly not by fears, past, or people who make us feel like we have to know everything to be successful. And that's what I appreciate about it, about Kevin. You know, on this show, we talk about those things, and, and it's just a fun conversation. You can learn more about him at irrationalkindness.com, and you can certainly listen to his podcast, too, called Irrational Kindness, where he has amazing conversations, much like on this show, just kind of authentic and transparent and vulnerable conversations. And he's just a great guy. You're really going to enjoy this conversation. I encourage you to check him out, check out your podcast, add it to your arsenal for your leadership journey, and uh, check out his book, Irrational Kindness. The show is brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank, been a sponsor for well over two years, more than 50 episodes they've sponsored. 
And it's a team that really knows what it takes to start and grow a business. They understand entrepreneurship. They understand leadership. It's been exciting to watch them grow into one of the fastest growing banks in the Midwest. They've been listed on the NASDAQ exchange for a while now. they got locations all across Kansas, Oklahoma, Missouri, Arkansas, with plans to expand even further. And clearly, this team at Equity Bank knows how to lead for growth. And so if it feels like your current bank is more of a follower than a leader and you want to work with a bank that really understands your needs, go check them out. Go to equitybank.com to learn more. Man, thanks so much for being a supporter of this show. If you haven't done so, subscribe, rate, and review. It does wonders to keep me front and center in the business management category, both in Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Whatever your podcast application is, take the time to subscribe, rate, and review, and pass the word. Word of mouth does wonders in keeping the show front and center, and I couldn't do it without your support. Reach out to me at richard at doseofleadership.com, or you can go to doseofleadership.com and fill out the contact page. And I promise you, I'll get back to you. Let me know where you're at in your leadership journey. And you can also find out more about my Dose of Leadership University, which I'm opening the doors to looking to add additional members into my university. And you can learn more about there at doseofleadership.com slash university. All right. Thanks for tuning in. Now let's join this conversation with Kevin Williams, the author of Irrational Kindness here on Dose of Leadership. Kevin Williams on Dose of Leadership. Welcome to the show, my friend. I am so excited to be here, Richard. Thanks for having me. Man, it's I'm excited. I like talking with Chick-fil-A people. I've never talked with a franchisee. You know, I had Deanne uh, Turner. Was it Deanne Turner? Is that her name? Yes, Deanne Turner. She's yep. been on twice. I don't think she's with Chick-fil-A anymore, but uh, first time I talked to her, she was with Chick-fil-A. She'd been with Chick-fil-A for, filet forever. Yeah, you I know, first her first her. job was babysitting me. Was it really? She was my baby. No way. <laughs> she babysat me when I was young. And in my Chick-fil-A journey, I walked into Chick-fil-A uh, headquarters one time to go meet, and there she was. No way. And uh, um, so we got to reminisce about how what a great uh, child I was as she babysat me. But <laughs> So Deanne's awesome, and she's been a uh, part of my journey from the time I first knocked on Chick-fil-A's door. That's, interested in them. That's funny. Interesting. I didn't know that. Yep. That's that's funny. She's yeah, she, got a new book coming out. I'm I'm pumped. I love cheering another, her on. Yeah, no, she's got a lot of wisdom. She's been a great guest. And um yeah, I'd like to get her back on. So she's got a third book coming out? I didn't know that. She does. She does. It's coming out. I, I I'm not sure the month in a few months, but she's uh um like I said, she's got a lot of wisdom and, and I'm proud of her. Yeah. So you've grown up in the Chick fil A family. How did you how okay, you got three three Chick fil A's? Your franchisee for three Correct. three. How did when did that start? How long How long have you been associated with that, with Chick-fil-A as a franchisee? Well, I first heard Truett Cathy. I don't remember eating at Chick-fil-A, quite frankly, as a child. Mm-hmm. We didn't eat out very much. So, But when I was a teenager, Truett Cathy came to my church to speak, and I knew the entrepreneurial Chick-fil-A, yeah. uh, Truett Cathy, that I had, I cut grass for a living, Yeah, you know, at 12 years old. I had a, my dreams of an empire that was just getting um, started. So I, I, I had this entrepreneurial spirit in me. So the chance to hear Truett Cathy come and talk sounded really interesting. And uh, he just struck me uh, as a total anomaly because here he was. He had the, the spirit of competition and business and growth. Yet he also had this heart for people. Yeah. You know, a, his, his, his a good name is over great riches. I mean, he he had this long term perspective that just connected with me in a great way. It wasn't for several years later that I kind of started, met somebody with Chick-fil-A and started knocking on the door. That's when I met Deanne 
about joining Chick-fil-A as I was graduating, getting close to graduating college and started started the journey there. I decided to go to work for banking instead. Chick-fil-A was still a small company at that time. They had just started the freestanding mm-hmm. units. They had just, you know, because Truett started 1967 just in malls. Mm-hmm. And as he um, started branching in 1986, he decided to go into the first freestanding that had a drive-through. And so it was still a budding company. You know, the, the interesting is my grandmother, when I told her, hey, I'm interested in banking or Chick-fil-A, you know, fast food. She would just like, why in the world? What kind of who? What kind of decision <laughs> is that? Of course, you're going to banking. Banking is everything. You know, it's the premier job <laughs> in the world. So uh, I don't know if right. that played into yeah. my mind in the background, but certainly yeah. Chick-fil-A was a much smaller company than it is today. And I decided to go to work for First Union. But I stayed connected to Chick-fil-A and my brother started getting involved in Chick-fil-A. So it reconnected me back with Chick-fil-A. Um, and I started a journey to become a franchisee at that time. First time I was looking at corporate, this time I was a franchisee. Yeah. And what year was that? So how, how many years? Well, that about? was around 1988 when I first started talking to Chick-fil-A. And then it was 1991 about when I really re-pursued Chick-fil-A. And it was 1993 when I got officially offered an, a franchisee that was losing money. And I think Deanne probably said, well, he can't mess it up that bad. It's losing money and let's give it to him. <laughs> it was in downtown Atlanta in Midtown in uh, a location called Colony Square that's in in the heart of Atlanta and had a beautiful seat on, outdoor seating on Peachtree Street. It's a great, great location. But it was losing money. Wow, that's a long time. You've been involved with a long time. You know, I was just thinking about... I had kind of forgotten about this, but I remember in the late 70s, early 80s, they put a Chick-fil-A in one of our malls here. And I remember eating there. And then, God, I think in the mid-80s, it just kind of disappeared, maybe in the late 80s. And I never really thought about Chick-fil-A again. And then it wasn't until like the last 10 years that it just seems like Chick-fil-A exploded. Is that, am I getting that kind of right? You know, it's like, it's like Chick-fil-A was kind of a thing in the malls, like you said. And then, then, and then I just kind of completely forgot about him being here in Kansas. And then I think it was around, I was traveling in the mid 2000s. I was in, I was in Atlanta and I ate at Chick-fil-A. That was almost 20 years since I got reacquainted with him. And then it seems like early 2000s on, it's just been like an explosion of Chick-fil-A. Richard, one thing that's interesting, if you look at true, if you look at Chick-fil-A's career, it's really in 20 year increments. Yeah. 1946, Truett started it with his brother in a small diner. So 1946 to 1967 was just that dwarf house diner concept that, and his brother passed away in a, uh, uh, his brother and his other brother died in a plane crash. He had a lot of, a lot of failure. He had a store burned down, a lot of challenges made, made some bad decisions, business decisions on, you know, thinking this concept, trying some different things. Mm-hmm. So you had that 20 years that really, really developed that. Then in 1967, a lot of those challenges helped him focus on the chicken sandwich. He launched yeah. Chick-fil-A. So you go 1967 to about 1986, another 20 years. That's when he was in malls. Yeah. Then 1986 to about 2007 or so, that was all when Chick-fil-A really started growing. A lot of it went with these big box retailers like Walmart, as you saw all these big box retailers. So when you're talking, seeing this growth, a lot of it is going on with Walmarts and Targets and and just how the world, America developed. And that's where you really see the growth of Chick-fil-A take place in the freestanders. And then 2008 happened and it all changed. And now it's a whole new paradigm a little bit like, 
okay, how do you find these different targets or go buy existing properties? And that's where uh -huh. we're at right now and in, in kind of since that time, I'd say. Interesting journey. Yeah. It, I mean, and it's amazing how every time I drive past the Chick-fil-A, it doesn't matter what day of the week it is or time of day and just the drive, it's just packed. It's always packed. You know what I mean? Well, you, you know, you know, I call it irrational kindness. Truett Cathy was totally irrational. The whole book, the book, the journey we're on mm -hmm. is this irrational kindness one. And it's, and I really learned so much from him because here was a guy that faced mall developers and told them we're not opening on Sunday. First of all, right. they didn't even want food in malls. They didn't understand why would we bring food in malls? It's kind of gross and messes up our pretty malls. Yet here he was pushing <laughs> the envelope and then telling them, Hey, um, we're not going to close on Sunday, but he was able to show them that he could give them a fair return on, on being closed on Sunday. And that business decision was, was what he would say is his strong, his best business decision he made by being closed on Sunday. It's that margin. So Chick-fil-A today, uh, insanely will do almost double what the competition will do per unit, um, in six days compared to the competition. And it's just, uh, you know, um, it's that that margin, you, you know, it's that heart for people that, that we've been instilled with to think differently in the fast food business. And I think I was talking with my wife about this isn't last week because we, we get Chick-fil-A probably once every week and a half or something. And my kids always want to get it. And and the food is is good. Don't get me wrong. I mean, it's but, you know, it's it's not like I think it's something more than just the food, to be quite honest. You know what I mean? It's kind of like. You never wait a long time in the drive. It's the customer service thing I think is huge. And I don't know how much of it is subconscious to the customer because it's, I mean, I can't remember who I was, to, uh, when I used to work with franchisees when I was a hotel company, I had a guy in there and he was talking about like McDonald's and fast food. He was talking to me, he was an expert in fast food. And you ask people like, well, what is the, um, you know, who has the best tasting hamburger? And McDonald's was like number eight or nine. But then you look at McDonald's sales, they were always number one, right? And it's because of the consistency. And it wasn't because of their customer service. But it's like you always knew what you're going to get. I think Chick-fil-A has cornered that. I don't know if it's the best tasting chicken sandwich out there. But it's good. It's damn good. But you always know what you're going to get. If I'm in a Chick-fil-A in Wichita or a Chick-fil-A in Atlanta, I'm never going to wait long in the drive through I'm always going to get the my pleasure. I'm never going to get no problem out of the You know what I mean? From the, from the face. <laughs> which is a pet peeve of mine, right? So I think it's a combination of all of that, right? I don't think it's, I th and I think the food is less, I think the, the food and the taste of the food is not the primary thing why that thing is so crowded. Maybe I'm wrong, but uh, you're an expert at that. But that, that's how I see well, it. It's a combination of a lot of things, but you know, uh, the restaurant business is, you know, it's to restore. It's, you know, it goes back to the restoration. And so the idea when you can see the guest, not as a transaction, but as a yeah. person, it changes everything. And when I can get a 16-year-old to do that, boy, I'm striking gold there. Yeah. I find the next generation, boy, they're as passionate as, as any generation I think we've ever had in this world about caring for people. And you just got to cheer them on to let them see. But when, when they connect that, that heart of seeing a guest to, the, to, the, to themselves, it changes everything. And the same can go for the food. I mean, I think making sure the food is right and making sure, you know, Chick-fil-A does do things different than ever. We don't, you know, everything is hand prepared. 
Yeah, um, there's a consistency. And so there's there that some I... consistency. Yeah, that, that that it's not easy to do what we do in the food way we food. Not you know, it's not it's not things coming in from the freezer to the fryer. It's a, so much of it goes into the quality prepare, preparation. You'll also find that Truett Kathy had a different mindset um, in the way that he was he set up his franchise model to allow people to. Uh, get into the business with him, partner with him in the business as franchisees, but wasn't trying to create these conglomerate of franchises. He wanted each person to be in there and dig in, get to know the community, get Mm -hmm. to know the people and get to know the team. And so at every Chick-fil-A you see, there is a, there's an owner franchisee right nearby cheering that, cheering that, that team member on, you know, trying to invest in that community and trying to make sure the food you get and the hospitality you get is, is uh, perfect. So that makes a difference. The whole franchise model he set up is just unique in a lot of ways too, which is a wonderful thing. And it took a brave thing for him to do. It's a different model. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't realize that part of the franchise model where um, there's kind of a requirement for you to be so close and connected with the community, right? So that prevents the guy, you know, sitting there in Dallas, Texas, having, you know, 15 franchisees and they're all up in the Northeast or something, right? That's right. Each person is near there. And, you know, uh, he set it up with one person. Then over time, as they kind of expanded, they expanded to two. And, you know, then they've opened up in the in the you know rare circumstances, three. Uh, but mainly it's, you know, it's one to two restaurants really per person that we're working wow. on trying to serve the guests. Um, so that's interesting. I did not know that. That's an interesting. Yeah, that is contrarian to a, a lot of franchise models that I've been associated with, like the pizza. You know, here it was big. Pizza Huts and Dairy Queens were big here back in the 70s here in Wichita. But he had to be brave. He had to be bold. He had to be irrational, I call it. Yeah. To think differently about the business and from a different angle because he wasn't afraid to give more away to develop a long-term spirit of what, what they were doing so he was allowed to me i I didn't uh, i wouldn't i wouldn't have this franchise in chick-fil-a but he allowed somebody young like myself and like those getting started to start with very little equity but with a lot of heart towards trying to trying to be uh you know be the best leader the best uh, restaurateur the best um um, entrepreneur they can be yeah it is a culture of leadership and that that permeates throughout the entire organization i've always used and i've said that about chick-fil-a with not again not being just associated on the periphery on the outside and interviewing Deanne. And we talked a little bit about this. It is a culture of leadership that has permeated since the beginning. And, and Truett has kind of laid the groundwork. He's been, con- you call it irrational. I call it contrarian. You're right. And it's, it's a shame that we need to say those two words, irrational or even contrarian, because it's probably how we should be. You know, all the stuff seems to be common sense, you know, um, but common sense isn't common practice is the old cliche saying, right? And, and yeah, well, the, it's, it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, I was just going to kind of more segue into to the, your book, Irrational Kindness. And I love the title, too, how you got that third R upside down, <laughs> upside <Yes>. down, you <laughs> know. Um, but I guess what I'm, I'm getting about the genesis of the book is you've been bathed in this or kind of around this culture for so long. It's in, integral to who you are now. I mean, I mean, you know, 30, 40 years of your life have been evolved in this. And so when you wrote this book, Irrational Kindness, I'm guessing this is probably just almost like your your experiences of, of being around this culture of leadership for so long. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah, I, I think in some ways, it's certainly uh, a growth that I've had to have over years to, to see the world and myself in a different way and leadership in a different way. 
because when I started out, you know, I always felt like, you know, you had to have it all together. You had to know everything, you know, you couldn't be too kind. Some people, you know, you got, you can't be too nice mm -hmm. to people. You'll get run over. Um, I like to say, you know, uh, being kind in leadership and in business is, and it, um, is not necessarily sticking your, your head in the sand or getting run over. It's simply being kind and seeing people who people are. And so to celebrate that and cheer on people in that endeavor is, uh, is something we all can do. You know, really, I, I say it's really about cheering on. I have all these teenage, what, 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 what started this journey of really um, was, was I, I would, I do an orientation with, with new team members and I call it coffee with Kevin. It's my home as a leader to welcome all new team members into this uh, that I know I get to have that one spot. It's kind of a system I'd say as a leader to say, so when I see a new team member that's joined our team, I get to connect with them say, Hey, I'm going to grab some coffee with you sometime. I know in my mind, I've got a home for that coffee that I'm going to get to have with them. And it's that, that is a time for me to hear their dreams, cheer them on, certainly lay out some expectations that we're doing on hospitality and their job. But more importantly is to hear where they're going and let them know I want to be part of their journey, you know, mm -hmm. that they're joining into a, a place that uh, not only is just to get a paycheck, but really whatever journey they're on, I want to be the guy that's cheering them on. And I found people work very hard for you and will, you know, sometimes harder than I'll work if they know how much, if they see that, see, see how much you care. And it also opens the door for a lot of candid conversations if I need to have those by leading with that heart for each other. And I think that's what was shown to me um, by, if I want to point to Truett Cathy, he, you know, he, he was, he was, he was inviting me into a journey and, and uh, with a uh, purpose that was uh, bigger than what I had myself. And that kind of fired me up. And so I want to do that for other people to, to cheer them on and, and give them hope for a bigger purpose than maybe they have for themselves. And that's what the purpose of the book is, right? To give us a sense of, particularly with as crazy as the world has been and it's come to fruition, uh, coming off the heels of this crazy 2020 and 2021 hasn't been off to a great start either. But so what are we, what are you hoping to accomplish? Well, I guess that's what I just heard you say is like, it's to kind of get back to some of the base. I, I think it's getting back to some of the basics or reminding me some of those common sense basics, things about the power of kindness, the power of, I call it authenticity, transparency, and vulnerability. You didn't use those words, but I see that those three things, what I think are the kind of the transformational keys to compassion. That's kind of and how I preach it. And, and, you're and right I think this, on. yeah, this book has a lot of that in that about. A lot of this kindness thing, tapping into that emotional quotient side of leadership, demands authenticity, transparency, vulnerability. And, and this book kind of speaks to the power of all of that, right? Yeah, it's celebrating that we're all different. It's celebrating the way God made you awesome. Yeah, He made mm -hmm. you the only you in the world, Richard. And I celebrate you. And, and when we do that with each other and the people that we work with and the people we learn lead, and we start from that, that framework of assuming the best about others, even though they may different, and trying to lean into their shoes and understand a little bit, then I think it changes everything. But it is and, and encourage that vulnerability and that transparency. You're right on. It's like, hey, that doesn't mean everything's going to be perfect or I'm not going to have um, tough conversations, but I am going to lean into this 
celebration of failure, for instance. I yeah, just I love, love to go over with these people and say, isn't mm-hmm. failure awesome? I have a wall of failures at my house. <laughs> it's just a it's just a silly little pictures and different things of times I have really screwed up. It may be a stock certificate that once was worth $25,000 that I dumped all my savings into, and it's worth zero. <laughs> I have that thing plastered on the wall. It's like, check this out. It takes the power away from those things. You know, not making the soccer team my senior year that felt devastating at the time after playing soccer my whole life. It's like, wow, look at that. I'm still here. I'm taking the power away from those things. And it's given me the courage to continue on and, and see those the beautiful parts of that. And when we unleash our team with that spirit, I find they'll do all kinds of crazy things. And uh, at all times, and oftentimes they fail at it and they take risks. But I want them to learn that it's okay to be vulnerable and transparent. It's okay to mess up. We're here together and we're on this journey. We're just heading in the same direction. But if we're heading in the same direction, then I want you to be you. And uh, and I want to celebrate those things. And um, and I want success for you, whether it happens at Chick-fil-A or not. I want this to be your best job you've ever had. That's what I tell them. I say, whether you're with Chick-fil-A or not, I want you to look back at the end of your career and say, man, that Chick-fil-A was the <laughs> job that was the best job for me. That puts a lot on me. Today, I'm, I'm in my mind and this book and different things. Like I'm, I'm preparing for that seventh grader, that eighth grader that's going to come to work in my mind for us one day. And how am I preparing today for that person to come? And not just be a job, a number that's going to help me, you know, staff my store and create less problems for me. I want to switch my thinking and get a little more rational on it and say, how can I prepare today for that person to create the most experience that can change their life? That, you know, people can look very normal, Richard. They can look like they have it all together. It can be a kid that you just look at and you're like, man, he's got it together or he, you know, and we make assumptions all the time. You don't know what's going on in that person's mind and that person's home. And we need to lift up this group. And because it's a powerful tool when you can encourage and walk alongside people um, that, you know, that you can cheer them on because people need it. That, that is so great what you said. I mean, I wish more and how you are approaching business and life. God, I mean, it, I, that resonates with me deeply. And I'm thinking about conversations I've had or, or even heated conversations I've had with, I'm thinking about one CEO that I worked for and the way he looked at employees versus the way I looked at employees. And I guess it was, it came down to the whole theory X, theory Y kind of thing, right? And what you're describing there is you and I are theory Y people, right? We, we assume the best in people and we look at people. We don't look at people as not trustworthy, as, you know, you're, you're only, you know, you came from a rough background, you're a teenager, you know, all you care about is this and that, you know, we look at the positive. I'm with you. Like, I think owning a business, running a business are opportunities to help people develop. I mean, you almost look at Chick-fil-A like you're um, how a coach looks at a little league team almost, right? It's like you're, you look at it as an opportunity. Yeah. The bottom line is you got to be profitable and you got to turn a profit, but you think the way to get there is by using your business as a platform to change lives. And that sounds, that's how I see it, right? It, it, you could think, uh, I say, can, it, can, can we can change the world through a fast food, through our little fast food. Yeah. And 
do we really? But I know I can cheer our team on to think, you know, we changed one life. Wow, we changed that one life. And that can change the world. Doesn't need to change the world globally, but it's changing their part of it. You know, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in, but that's what, you know what I mean? So it's, it's not about changing, the, you know, it's not about starting an orphanage in Kenya, but it's at least changing your part of the world, right? And that, over time, actually, you do that with enough people, it can impact the world globally. Anyway, it sorry, could I change, just had a it could change, uh, It could change the world overseas because that person could do something. But, you know, we all get into entrepreneurship, leadership, you know, we're very noble oftentimes. You ever think back of why did I get into this? Boy, we have these <laughs> noble grand things that we want to do somewhere. We didn't do it all. Just, I want to make a bunch of money and I want to, you know, uh, uh, we do it for these things, these noble reasons you thought of. You want to be a coach. You want to be a team. You want to lead something and make a difference in the world. And sometimes the busyness of the business gets all on us and we yeah. can lose that and we cannot see ourselves having the freedom. One of the chapters I write about is called freestyle. It's like, Hey, we're all ridiculously in charge of our life. Um, it's that, it's that idea that we, we can do anything. If you, you know, if you kind of expand your mind and just do a little perspective change, it's just a quarter time turn. You don't have to do a 180. Just what can you look at things differently? Um, and oftentimes, you know, uh, I say 80% of the business is just splitting, spinning plates as a leader. I'm just trying to keep mm -hmm. everything going. Mm -hmm. But when I can carve out this 20% and say, what can I do to look down the road to make a difference in this world and this in these these people's lives, it changes and I can invest in that, uh, invest in that thing. Hey, we're about halfway through the conversation, but I wanted to take the time to talk about my good friends, the sponsor here of the special series at Equity Bank. Have you ever noticed that most business bankers seem to really understand just one thing? It's banking, right? And not a lot about business. It makes sense since most banks were built generations ago and now they're often run by caretakers, not business builders. Well, it's not the case here at Equity Bank. The bankers at Equity Bank didn't inherit a bank generations ago. They built one of their own. They know that building something takes expertise, vision, and hard work. And over the past decade, they built one of the region's fastest-growing banks by working side-by-side -side with customers, with entrepreneurs, with leaders in communities all throughout Kansas, Missouri, Arkansas, and Oklahoma. Recently, Equity Bank was listed on the NASDAQ exchange, which gives them even greater capabilities to take on those big deals that growing businesses need to keep on growing. So if you're tired of talking to bankers who've never really ran or owned or built a business, then I think you're going to be pleasantly surprised when you talk to my friends at Equity Bank. Thanks for listening to this show. Let's get back to the conversation, this unique and special series on leadership and entrepreneurship brought to you by my friends at Equity Bank. You were talking about uh, what, what, what struck me is it's the thing about leaders and myself is it's this renew. I say it's a renewing of the mind that requires a daily pursuit. You know, uh, you know, you're going to, um, you know, you brush your teeth on a daily basis. You don't brush it once and think I got it covered now. I'm good. <laughs> it requires us to really pursue this daily um, mm -hmm. this, this renewing of the mind. So you can have that focus and you gotta, you gotta kind of lean into that. So you can be your best every day to bring that to the table, even while spinning the plates. And that's the opportunity in front of us. But 
you know, the assuming the best is really a difficult, and that's why it takes a daily renewal because it's easy yeah. to assume the best. I had this, I was on this trip. We did this trip last week where we went up to New York and deposited fostered sparks of kindness all along the way. We partnered from, from Canton, Georgia to New York, every state we stopped in and we did a partnered with a Chick-fil-A and just did a spark of kindness. We fed restocked food pantries. We, um, we, fed disabled children. We took, took over foster, uh, fed, um, um, youth, youth, homeless folks. We took over a gas station for an hour and we just filled up everybody's gas tank and swipe cards. It was in a challenged part of town that was, you know, uh, boy, you talk about making some people day, you know, it was interesting, Richard. I would get out a gift card, a $20 gift card and swipe their card with it. And then I would give them a Chick-fil-A sandwich. You know what they cared more about? What? The Chick-fil-A sandwich. sandwich. Yeah, the sandwich. The Chick-fil-A sandwich was like, wow, you're giving me a chick. I think because it's personal and it's like it yeah. matters. Um, but what but that's what I was gonna tell you. What I was gonna tell you was on the way, I, I stopped by this Chick-fil-A, okay? And I see this this sign up in the Chick-fil-A, and it has kind of a Christmas sign in it, okay? It's a promotion from Christmas. And I thought to myself, oh gosh, look at that. They, they haven't, they're not organized. This is what went through my mind in about two seconds. They're not very organized. They still have a Christmas sign up, you know, interesting, you know, they probably could be more organized and, and uh, you know, but that's just, you know, they got a lot going on, but I, I did critique their sign last night. This is days after the, um, you know, later, uh, later in the month of January, here I am going to my Chick-fil-A. You know what I saw on the roof? A wreath. A wreath was hung <laughs> over the side of the building. And it just struck me again how easy it is to point fingers at people and not point them back at yourself and say, you know, and you see it on TV. I mean, you just have to turn the news on for two seconds. Everybody's pointing at each other. You know, I like to say I love health inspectors. I love a health. I like to go eat places that have a health inspector that really <laughs> rakes the restaurant over the coals. Because I know my food's going to be safe. But we all don't have to be health inspectors in each other's lives. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to do. It's so easy to do to critique, judge. Um, you know, it's easy not to assume the best. We, it's very easy not to look at the plank in our own eyes. And, mm-hmm. and again, it doesn't mean things don't need to be addressed. It just means take a little pause and, you know, keep seeking that renewal of the mind on a daily basis that lets us see things in a different light and get to know people versus just, you know, rushing to assumption. Yeah. It's the human connectedness, connectedness of it that is so missing. No, I like what you're, you know, I was sitting there thinking as you're saying all this stuff, the, the term irrational, it speaks to the intentionality. I, I talk about it in leadership, how it takes a maniacal energy, a maniacal level of energy to be intentional. And that's what you mean about being irrational, right? I mean, it, it's constantly, like you said, renewing your mind and constantly being open to changing perspectives. That's what you're saying. And that's that's the beauty of the word irrational. I like how you're using it, you know. You were mentioning failure earlier and how you're kind of embracing failure. I've said that on this show too many times. It's like, what does failure even mean anymore? Like, It's like I used to – it's amazing when you think about it. And you were probably the same way when you think back to your younger days. And, and failure was such a almost a, a fear-stopping thing and the way you look at it now is like what's that's the whole point right it's like these failures is what shapes 
He's like, what does it even mean anymore? What is fa- it's like a nonsensical word almost, right? You got this wall of failure, and, and what you're doing is you're just devaluing the, the word or, or the, the concept of failure, not really the word, but you're devaluing the concept of failure. What does it even mean? You know? Yeah, and, and, and it's taking his power away because it just shuts us down. And mm-hmm. I need to hear that on a daily basis because I'm failing. <laughs> I'm failing every day. So, and even that can be like, it takes only one person to say, uh, you know what I thought the other day? I thought, you know who, you, do you remember a bully in your life? Somebody that bullied mm-hmm. you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, but do you remember every time you bullied somebody? We don't really remember those mm-hmm. as well. <laughs> we just remember when people bullied us. It's kind of that same way. It's like, man, it just takes a couple people to, to you know, oh, you didn't do that right. And all of a sudden we're like, uh, you know, we it brings us all down. And I, I just want to be on a journey that's a little different than that. I want to try and realize, hey, I can learn from my, my mistakes and I can, um, but I don't want to live scared. I don't want to live scared to try things because if I live yeah. scared to try things and I'm not really doing my purpose, which you know, in um, Chick-fil-A, we define it as to glorify God by being a faithful steward of all that's entrusted to us. For this, it means to be a faithful steward of all that God's given me. It just means it's not mine. I want to steward it and leave it better than I left it. So it gives me much more of a, a long range plan, uh, um, an idea of what I'm doing with this business and Chick-fil-A is very successful. And I say, I don't want to mess it up on my watch <laughs> right here. <laughs> at least it let, while I'm carrying it, let's carry it really strong. And it invites me people that I come onto our team on a journey and like, hey, do you want to be a part of this journey? You don't have to work here. There's plenty of jobs. But if you want to come here, we're on a journey that's trying to glorify God by all the research, what this business that we're stewarding right now. We want it, whether it's our lives or whatever we're doing, and we want to have a positive influence on everybody that comes in contact with Chick-fil-A. And when we mess up, we're going to own it. We're going to try and do better, but we're also not going to let it bring us down. We're going to keep cheering each other on on that journey of what we can do. I love that. And you said something there. I I w- as you were talking, I was just thinking about even my, on my own journey at some point, and I try to get this across to my kids, but at some point, and I don't, and it maybe it was a slow fade, but where I was 30 years ago as opposed to where I am now, I was like, I am not afraid. I mean, I'm not afraid of trying anything at all. If anything, the thing that I'm, keeps me awake at night is running out of time. Whereas 30 years ago, 35 years ago, I was worried about taking the first step. Now I'm like, there's so many things I want to do. I'm not afraid of trying it. I'm like, how did that happen? And I was listening to you. I I, I don't know. I think it's just surrounding myself with people like yourself along the way, learning, finding, you know, taking that first step and then realizing, hey, this isn't so bad. This is kind of fun. It becomes addicting to try to start, you know, to try new things. You know, it's kind of, it becomes addicting to jump off the cliff knowing you have a parachute, but not knowing when it's going to open, you know, knowing, but, but, but having the belief that it is going to open, right. That's where the faith aspect comes in, I think, Absolutely. you know, and so I was just sitting there thinking, and I don't know when it exactly happened. I guess it just kind of happened over time, but I think what's in your book speaks to all of that, right? I mean, it speaks to those, if, if we find ourselves stagnant or our feet, you know, standing firm on our shaky legs, knowing that that's, in, that's normal, right? That's normal. Like, that's normal. And that's, that's the part of living. I had a, a coach one time, she's since passed away. 
she was helping me with my speeches. It was about 15 years ago. I was helping with better public speaking. And she was an acting coach, actually, but she really helped with the speech. And I remember she was prepping me for like the biggest speech I had done at the time. And we were on the side of the stage. I was getting ready to get introduced. And she came up and looked at me. She goes, are you afraid? You know, are you nervous? And I was about to say, oh, no, no, you know. And then I'm like, yeah, actually, I am. I feel like I'm going to puke. And she's like, and she and she grabbed me by the shoulder. And she goes, that's what it feels like to be alive. And then, then they called my name. <laughs> and then they introduced my name and I went out there. But that's so true, right? I mean, that's what it's about, right? That... And having that feeling is kind of the blessing, right? Because that gets that gives me the barometer. Maybe it's God, maybe it's the Holy Spirit, maybe it's the universe, maybe it's the muse, maybe it's the angels, whatever it is, is telling me this is what you should be doing, right? Otherwise you wouldn't it it wouldn't if it wasn't important, it didn't matter to you, you wouldn't be having those feelings. That's how I look at it. Yeah, and I love I love the idea of just saying, Hey, I'm nervous. I don't know what I'm doing here. Uh, <laughs> right. But you know, you ever have those days, I don't know what I'm doing today, but I've been doing yeah. it for a long time and I'm gonna keep doing <laughs> That's right. Some days I feel like I know. Some days I don't know. But you know, uh, you're you're right on. I had a, a, a Jimmy Collins who used to work with Chick Fil A. He's retired now. He he used to say, "I'd rather restrain mustangs than kick mules." Oh yeah. And I love that spirit of you know. I hey, love let's that. Just go out there, and you know, every, I'm not. I don't. I will never jump out of a airplane. I, that's not for me. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I, I'm. I love yeah. when people do it. That's not where I'm. Where I want to do my my thrill seeking, um, and uh, and I want to be a great dad and a great husband. I don't, you know, I'm not trying to just, you know, I'm trying to figure out that that opportunity of where I want to invest my time and h- how I want to give my best at those things. I'm not trying to live the most balanced life of do everything across the board. Mm-mm. Um, and I do want to make sure I get an A at home. I want to be a great dad and a, a great, um, husband over being a great Chick-fil-A, uh, operator. Um, yeah. and that is important to me. So I know where my priorities are, but that doesn't mean I feel like if I'm a great dad and husband and I know what it knows, like for that group to feel cared, then I can, then I can be my best at work. It's going to require me to say no to some things for sure. Cause I can't do everything, but it doesn't mean you can't do anything and you can't do some things bold. You can't do some things and push them and not be afraid of that. You know, Hey, first resistance doesn't mean, Oh, there's no angle. It just means you're looking at it from the wrong angle. So I just, sometimes I, I say it's like a turnstile, you know, you walk into it and boom, you're like, Oh, that turnstile. And it may be, somebody that you work with that you just can't control and, or that's annoying yours, a relationship that you're just, I sometimes picture of it just right in front of me and I just can't <laughs> control it. So those things I can't control. Um, and I want to control and I'll sit there and stare at them for days and try and manipulate them. Um, you know, somebody in my life that's acting, acting wonky or a situation that's, you know, came up to me. Um, but there's a certain point in time that I've learned and I'll actually pick my chin up, Richard, and I'll force it to the top. It takes me a few days to get there where I'll actually do it because I've been working on it, trying to massage it. But when I do that and I take a deep breath, I start seeing things differently. And that's Mm -hmm. sometimes what's helpful for me just to pull it up. And the sky really helps me because I can see, oh, there's there's a God that's a really big God up there because that's a big world out there. And there's directions that, hey, I can see. And there's people that I can bring in my life that I can maybe see and maybe some people I need to get away from, or maybe some people I need to lean into, or there's time becomes different. You know, 
all of a sudden where I think mm-hmm. I got to have everything done by this day, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I can see time. It's okay. I can, I can hit pause and let things evolve and figure it out. And that's, that's helpful to me, but it does take a lot of courage and a lot of, you know, pull them back and breathing in and look it uh-huh. up to me that helps figure it all out. Well, it's, it's, you're again, you're speaking to the intentionality and this is why leadership is so hard because it's easy to understand the concepts of leadership. There, I mean, there's nothing cosmic about the concepts of leadership. They, they just exist. They're there. They're there for our taking. It's like the laws of leadership. They just exist and they're easy to understand. But you, to the point is you got to, it takes a tremendous amount of intentionality and work and discipline and, and habits and taking the time, pausing, looking at it. Like you said something there that resonated with me. It's like, it's not a, about a to-do list and not about striving for this for your ego. It's like every aspect of your life, every aspect, husband, father, citizen of the community, owner, entrepreneur, whatever. It's And it's a priority list, right? And and have that in, that intentionality about working that priority list, I think is the key. Because man, it's so easy to get sideways. Yeah, I love asking the question. We call it we call it a kindness pause. Oftentimes, hey, what can we talk about that's kind of interesting? And just what makes life hard? And you just you know just sit in that for a while with with a group of people. What makes life hard? Now we'll talk about things like you said. That's just normal. I can't do anything about the normalness of the hard mm-hmm. and the, and the challenging in life. But there are some things I can do about what I want to do to make make the most out of, uh, of relationships and of the added opportunity today. I call it the joy in the journey. Of course, it's like the journey is the joy. The destination is great to help me know which, where my next step's going to be in. But there was one time we were really seeking something as an organization really big. And I sat in front of our team and, and, and I said, you know, the joy is not our happiness is not defined by whether we get to that point or not. Mm-hmm. Our happiness and our joy is right now in the day-to-day yeah. work. We're going to get there. And, and that's a, when you can live in that. And that's where it takes renewal of mind. Cause you think, no, if I don't get it, uh, then it's going to not going to be a good day or if I get it, but you know, I found when you get it or you don't get it, I kind of feel about the same sometimes. <laughs> I know, right? It's really that joy of the journey. It's like with your family. It's like, what's my destination? I know I want to, I want to be a, a granddad one day and I want to be a great, uh, uh, a great father-in-law. You know, it's that journey that I'm going to do to get there to prepare myself today to be those things and accepting it and spending time in those relationships. It's going to build that future that really wants to want to want to be. But there's, you know, I want the day to the joy to be yesterday's the past. The future's unknown, but we have today. And I get to sit here with Richard today and talk to Richard. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, no, it it speaks to the reality that this whole journey is joyfully difficult. Mm -hmm. And I love that kind of dichotomy of terms because people usually don't equate difficulty with joy. But that really does define the journey we're talking about here, the leadership journey. It is messy, but it's joyfully difficult, particularly when you've had a chance to take a time to pause and reflect and look at what you've gone through and where you've come. Those are the times you can go, wow, that was painful, but there was a lot of, can be, a lot of joy and growth in that process if you choose to look at it that way. It's easy for me to say that as I'm sitting here and we're at speed five miles an hour or zero right now, and nothing, you know, this conversation isn't difficult. 
and it's easy to be joyful in this conversation. But you know, you get my point, right? I mean, the the whole journey, you can't do anything about the difficulty. You're going to, it's going to be there. And I think that's just the mindset shift that I think is important. I think it speaks to why I started to stop worrying about. And this show has been tremendous of talking with people, having 500 conversations almost with people to remind me that, look, it's going to be messy. It's and, and the messiness isn't a sign of failure. It's just the norm. And if you can be the composed force in that kind of messiness, that's where the joy comes from, right? Absolutely. That's the, that's the beauty of it. And it's that renewing of the mind. Renewing of the mind. That we have to do on a daily basis to say, what am I going to do to recheck my mind to get it? And it, I, got, mm-hmm. I, I know one place is not, not going to be, be. You want to know one place? I can unveil a secret to yeah. everybody. What's that? CNN, Fox, <laughs> right. turn it off. News. Turn off the news. All the news, that. That's, that's right. Not the place it's going to be. Uh, certainly, I want to be aware of what's going on culturally. I want to engage with people different than me, so I under understand different perspectives. But you know, you got to find a home for it elsewhere. Um, I love bookending in my days. Um, it's one of the secrets that I love to do. I I don't go to bed with the TV on or I don't go to bed with staring mm-hmm. at social media. I'm trying to, even if it's just for a brief second, it could be a devotional I want to read. It could be, I love surfer magazines. I get a surfer magazine and I just like to, it just rechecks my yeah. mind that there's yeah, different yeah, yeah, yeah. things in the world. And over the years, I've done all kinds of things. I've done Western magazines. I'll do yachting magazines. I'll just have something that just redirects my mind. I'll get like, a year subscription to something really stupid. And then I'll just, it gets my mind going in a different direction that is healthy for me to realize there's def- different things out there, whether they are things I'm involved in or not. And yeah, then in I the morning, that. just some time to, you know, it's very hard to do if you wake up and you're ready to get going and you got to be somewhere, but a time to reflect journal journaling, just a short journaling to read something and say, what does that mean to me? Mm-hmm. is a chance that just reboots my mind on a short little basis. You know, um, there's an app called Headspace that I love. It's just a quick little meditation that just like reboots my mind and gets my mm-hmm. mind into different things. So I like to book in my days that gives me a home for here's where I'm going to uh, to renew my mind for sure. And then throughout the day, I can, you know, find opportunities to do that business wise and and relationally wise, too. I love it. I love the habitual intentionality behind that. You're right. I talk, I'm calling, I, I try to wake up with gratitude instead of, I don't pick up my phone. I just think about what I'm thankful for. It just, and that's simple, right? But it does get my head space at least starts today in the right place instead of opening up Facebook or my email or whatever, or it's certainly not turning the news. I've, yeah, I've been doing that for at least three years now. Like I don't watch the news nearly like I used to. And, I got a new rule. You know, this is, uh, you know, the adults, swim they have adult swim in a, sw- in a swimming pool you know and, mm-hmm. and they got kids swim for like 50 minutes and then the, the lifeguard will blow the whistle and it's adult swim only i was thinking the other day what if the news organizations had to go to it there was a new law we passed and they have to have adult <laughs> adult time they get the kids get to swim and they get to beat you down with negativity but then you got to have 10 minutes that you just talk about what the amazing things going on in the world are because there are amazing things happening all yeah. over the place 
And you don't, you know, if you, you have to get your mind, I'm going to call it again, just the renewing of the mind. Let me go see these wonderful things, whether it's call up somebody that's serving people and get to know different people doing things because there's amazing light being shined all over the world and yeah. in your own community and in your own backyard and to be a part of it and see the persons that need to lift up and, or that are lifting up and joining hands with them. You know, that's, that's that renewal of the mind that'll keep your brain and keep you motivated towards that next thing that helped me as a leader um, stay motivated towards what I'm trying to do. I love it. The book is Irrational Kindness, The Crazy Pursuit of an Extraordinary Life. I'm assuming a lot of the stuff that we talked about here and unpacked in the 45 minutes is embedded in the book. Um, you started it as a book, as a handbook to your employees, and it just kind of turned into this kind of guidebook to kind of help us live authentically, transparently, embrace vulnerability. I think it's a great piece of work, my friend. Anything that you want to say that we maybe we didn't get across as we close up here to make sure that we that we get across? Well, just thank you for having me, and uh, you know I hope the book is a is a is an opportunity. If you get the book, it's just to cheer you on. And we're in this together. I'm just a business owner here in Canton, Georgia. Uh, <laughs> you know, serving guests every day, leading a team uh, of of uh, um, team of incredible people that are out serving guests and trying to see the world and ourselves in a different light. And I hope you find a lot of encouragement in it as we do, but know that we're on the journey together and, uh, and we're cheering you on um, together and you can reach out anytime. Kevin, it's been a fun conversation. Uh, a blessing to know you. Glad to have you in the Dose of Leadership Tribe. I look forward to staying in touch with you and, and uh, throughout the years, but uh, it's an honor to meet you. How can people reach out to you? Well, you can go to irrationalkindness.com. You can actually see the tour we went on, which is fascinating. It, we went every city, every city. This is just a guy going out, calling people in the middle of COVID. Hey, can I come up and be a spark? People were fired up about being connected in that way. People want to talk about positive, encouraging yeah. things. And we're all the same as the beautiful thing. We all want the same in life. Um, even though it seems oftentimes like we're a divided nation, we actually all want a lot of the same things. It's yeah. it's amazing. We just don't. That's not always talked about in the public sector. But you know, when you get face to face with somebody, we all want the same thing. So, irrational kindness is a great way to learn about the book, uh, learn about the journey we're on, um, and uh, and uh, and you can always come to Canton, Georgia, and eat with us and have a <laughs> cup of coffee with our team and myself, and we'll we'll engage in some great conversation. We'll do that. And then make sure that people know that you have a podcast too. It's been uh, out since last September called Irrational Kindness. I encourage people to check it out as well. Anything you want to say about that? No, we're having fun creating these kind of conversations with people that are, we find the celebrity is in all kinds of people. So sometimes it's picking up somebody that you just would pass by and not think anything of them. But when you start learning people's stories, there's amazing stories of perseverance Absolutely. in all of us. And I just get amazed by these stories of the celebrity and everybody. And that's what we're trying to do. And also have just some encouraging, fun, authentic conversations that um, we may say something wonky sometimes. So I always <laughs> ask for forgiveness up front. But when we're just talking about authenticity and not like we know it all, we're just talking about it. It, it opens a door for a lot of conversations. I think that's the path towards success. That's what people want. And that's, that's what people need. People always ask me, it's like, well, what, how do you start a podcast? I said, just be authentic, be yourself. Don't try to be something that you're not and have those authentic conversations. It's, it's needed. All right, Kevin, my friend, great conversation. Thanks for coming on the show and uh, let's stay in touch. Cheering you on, Richard. Keep going. 
Hey, thanks so much for tuning into the show. I hope you got some value out of this episode. If you did, please do me a huge favor. Tell somebody about this show. Tell your spouse, tell your kids, tell your coworkers. Let them know about the value that Dose of Leadership brings to your world. Go to doseofleadership.com. You can learn more about my services. If you're looking for somebody to speak, teach, or coach about leadership, I'm your guy. I'm known for my ability to transform individuals and organizations, teaching them the concept of creating a culture of decentralized leadership. I do think that is the secret sauce to facing all the challenges that we face today. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. I look forward to the next time we're together. And until the meantime, make it a great one. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.